0: You would please turn in your bibles to first john chapter 5 and verse 13 this can be found on page 1023 in the red pewback bibles first john chapter 5 and verse 13 i write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life. It's good to see you this evening. This week coming up, we are reading the book of James. If you've been reading the Bible with us in our Let's Read the Bible program, the book of James, five chapters. It's not a long book, immensely practical though. So be thinking about that and maybe if you've kind of fallen off and stopped your daily Bible reading, tomorrow morning, get up, read James chapter one. It'll bless your life, I promise. This past week, we read 1 John, five chapters in that book as well. 1 John is all about assurance of salvation. How can you know that you are in a right relationship with God? 1 John answers that question. And notice as you read the book that it keeps coming back to this idea of knowing things. Knowing things. The word know is actually found 35 times in the book of 1 John. So, in five chapters, you know this, you know that, we know that we know this. Over and over and over in that book, you'll find John speaking about what we know. Do you know you're saved? Do you have assurance in your heart that you're saved? You know, the New Testament teaches that it is both possible and it's something that is to be desired in our hearts, in our lives for Christians to know and to have assurance that we're saved. God wants that for us. But it's also true that Christians can fall away. Both of those truths are equally true. Galatians chapter five verse four warns us that we might fall from grace, that we might depart from the living God, Hebrews chapter two verses one through four. It's possible for a Christian to fall away, but it's also possible for a Christian to know that he's saved. One of the great expressions that I've used when it comes to, and I've thought about when it comes to assurance is this, don't put a question mark where God puts an exclamation point. A lot of times, we as Christians, we put a question mark when it comes to our salvation. We're good with the idea, most of us, that Christians can fall from grace, that we can fall away, that we could depart from God. We're, we're comfortable with that idea, even if the idea itself makes us somewhat uncomfortable. But we may not be quite as comfortable with the idea that I can know I'm in a right relationship with God. Listen to the theme, the key verse of 1 John. Chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So who are we writing to? Christians. And I'm writing these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Why'd you write your book, John? Why is 1 John in the Bible? So that you may know that you have eternal life. That's why I wrote this book. John's good about that. John chapter 20 verses 30 and 31 and the gospel of John tells us why he wrote that book too. But this book, 1 John, it's so you can have assurance. You can know that you're in a relationship that's vibrant and real and that you have a living hope and inheritance stored up for you in heaven. You have those things right now, today. You can know those things. You can have confidence in those things because of what the Bible teaches. And so, what I want us to do with our study tonight is look at five words from this verse, five keys, five concepts from this verse, and we're going to think about how that applies to the assurance that we could have of our salvation. The five keys, the five words, as you look at 1 John 5 verse 13, notice, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. The first word I want us to focus on is know. Again. 35 times in the book of 1 John, there are some things that we might have questions about when we read God's word. There are some things that we might not have all the answers to, but this is not one of them. When it comes to our salvation, when it comes to knowing that we are in a right relationship with God, you can know this. And as you read the book of 1 John, John gives a number of tests By this we know that we know Him. And let me just summarize, for time's sake tonight, some of the tests, but go back and read these passages in your daily study and think about what they are teaching us. We know that we're walking in the light, that we're in a relationship with God when we keep His commandments, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. By this we know that we know Him, that we keep His commandments. Is there in your life a desire to do God's will? Are you striving to keep his laws, to keep his commandments, to obey him? Or are there parts of your life where you're saying, you know, I know God has a will for me, but I don't feel like doing that. It's a matter of assurance. We know we know him when we keep his commandments. We know we know him when we do not love the world. If anyone loves the world, 1 John two fifteen through 17, the love of the Father is not in him. Because the love of the world comes from a different place. It doesn't come from God. James would say in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, that if we become friends with the world, we make ourselves enemies of God. Hostility between me and God when I strive to love the world and the things that are in it but we know we're walking in the light when we're striving not to love the world. We know that we're walking in the light when we love our brethren in Christ. First John chapter three, verses 16 through 19, there's some very practical, very strong language. If we will not love our brethren, and that's expressed in a lot of ways, then the Bible tells us we don't know God. Let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. First John three, verse 18. So if we've got animosity or hostility, or if we just refuse for whatever reason to love our brethren, it's a matter of assurance. It's a matter of salvation. Again, this word know and what you read in 1 John, we know we're walking in the light when we listen to apostolic teaching. There are false prophets that are going to come, John says. Don't listen to them. Don't believe every spirit. The one who knows God hears us, the apostles. That's what he says in 1 John 4, verses one through six. Listen to us, the apostles. John's writing as one of the 12 apostles of Jesus. What the apostles had to say was authoritative. And we know that we're walking in the light when we're constantly listening to apostolic teaching. How do you do that? By opening your New Testament and reading what it says. As you read from the Gospel of John or the book of 1 John, you're reading apostolic teaching. You're reading the words that God wants to nourish your soul. We know we're walking in the light, 1 John five eighteen. when we're struggling against sin. We know that we're walking in the light, that we know God, when this is something that's ongoing in our lives. It is possible that with all of us, we can get to a point in our lives where sin is present and we just say, you know what, I'm tired of fighting it, it's okay with me that I'm doing this. It's possible for us to get to that point, we're not struggling with sin any longer when that happens when you're making a space for it in your life and this is something I'm gonna do and I'm not struggling against this, I'm not thinking there's anything wrong with this, you know what, I'm just gonna do it and I don't care what the consequences or ramifications of it are. We're stopping, we're ceasing in our struggle with sin when that happens. We know, we know God, when there's this ongoing fight, there's this ongoing war in all of our lives against the sin that we see in ourselves. And so that word, no, these things I've written that you may know that you have eternal life, God wants us to know. He wants us to be assured in our hearts. Second word tonight, as you look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things I have written, or I write these things, the ESV says, written. Let me ask you, if my salvation is based on how I feel, what's going to happen? Inevitably, what do our feelings do? Our feelings are all over the map. They're like a roller coaster. They're up, they're down, they're in, they're out. They're sideways and upways and all kinds of ways. Our feelings are all over the map. Don't base your knowledge and assurance of salvation on how you feel. Base your knowledge and assurance of salvation on what is written because your feelings are fickle, your feelings can be misguided, your feelings can be misinformed. So it's not just about what I feel, it's about what is written in the word. Scripture is a superior guide because the scripture is unchanging. Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus tells us to build our house on the rock by hearing and doing what he says. Matthew chapter seven, verses 24 through 27. Build your life on the word of His grace, Acts 20 verse 32. The words of life, 1 John chapter one verse one. God's word is given to us so that we have an anchor that does not move. And when it comes to our sense of assurance, the assurance of our salvation, brothers and sisters, listen to me. It's about what is written in the book. It's not about how I feel or how you feel. Our feelings can be wrong, often they are. When the Israelites went through the Red Sea, remember that night? Moses parted the waters by God's power and the Israelites, the entire nation went through the Red Sea. Don't you think that was a frightening adventure? And I would imagine that there were some Israelites that had great faith and this is how they went through the Red Sea. They went through the Red Sea saying, this is great. God is so powerful. Look at what God is doing. Look at him. Look at the deliverance he's providing for us. This is wonderful. But there were probably some other Israelites. I would have probably been in this category, walking between the water. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. But you just keep stepping one after the other, after the other. The question is this, which one is delivered? They're both delivered, aren't they? It's not about how you feel as much as it is about what God says is real and natural and right according to his word. Scripture is how we know that God has delivered us. It's how we know that we are in a right relationship with God. Base your assurance on what this book says, not on what's going on in your heart. Next, as you look at 1 John 5 verse 13, the next word, You who believe in the name of the Son of God. Everything about our assurance goes through Jesus and the cross. Everything. That's why we need to spend more time as God's people pondering the meaning of the cross. Because that's where our pardon was purchased. That's where our salvation was bought. It was bought at infinite cost of the blood of Jesus at the cross. And John, if you read 1 John, he talks about the cross, he talks about Jesus incessantly. His blood is what cleanses us from every sin, 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. He is our advocate and he is the propitiation for our sin, 1 John 2 verses 1 and 2. Jesus is the one who takes away our sin, John chapter, 1 John chapter 3 verse 5. He is the one who appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3 verse 8. He's the one who laid down his life for us First John three verse 16. By the way, that's why you and I ought to lay down our life for our brethren, because Jesus laid down His life for us, First John 3:16. "Eternal life is in Him and Him alone." First John chapter five, verse 11. When we are wondering about whether we're in a right relationship with God, we need to go back to the finished work of Jesus. What did he do for me at the cross? And brethren, our salvation is not about our merit. It's not about our earning anything before God. Our salvation is about us accepting by faith the, the gift that Jesus has made available. That's what salvation is. I am accepting a gift from God that was given and granted to all mankind by means of the cross. When somebody is baptized, that's what we're doing. We're putting our faith and our trust wholly in Jesus and His blood. And therefore, when we think about assurance, we cannot think about assurance. Do I really know I'm right with God? You cannot answer that question without talking about Jesus a lot. Because it's all about Him and what He's done for us. Next word, believe. These things I write to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. You know, the Bible speaks about belief in a couple of different ways. Belief can be just an intellectual assent to a truth. Do you believe something's true? Yes, I believe that's true. That's one kind of belief. But you know what? The Bible tells us that that intellectual assent that's the same kind of belief that the demons have. It says in James chapter 2, verse 19, even the demons believe and tremble. So, mere intellectual assent is not what John has in mind here in 1 John 5, verse 13. What he has in mind is obedience. I believe, therefore, I act, I speak, I work, I do, I show that my faith is living and real and active. Faith without works is dead, James chapter 2, verse 26. So, when we ask questions about assurance, it's about believing in the Son of God, it's about Not only trusting, but obeying the Word of God. And as you think about belief and you think about what Scripture tells us, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our belief, there are some things that are going to cause all of us to struggle with assurance. Listen carefully. Because of faith being an element of all this, we're going to struggle when our loyalties are divided. You trying to serve two masters? You're gonna have trouble with assurance. And you ought to, because no man can serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24. You're gonna struggle with assurance when your heart is given over to worry. When anxiety and worry and the worst case scenario, when those fill your mind and your heart, and that's all you think about, and that's all you dwell on, and that dominates your life. Yeah, of course you're gonna struggle with assurance. We're going to struggle with assurance when we have good intentions, but we not we don't do anything about them. A brother or sister is destitute, naked, without daily food, and you say to them, "Go in peace, be warmed and filled," but you don't give them what's necessary for their body. James asks, "What good is that?" And there are a lot of Christians who we have good intentions, but when it comes to actually serving and loving and obeying by faith, we don't carry out those good intentions. We're gonna struggle with assurance, brothers and sisters and friends, when we allow faithless voices to fill our ears. You remember what happened when they got to Kadesh Barnea in Numbers 13 and they sent those 12 spies into the land? They came back, those 12 spies, and they had great tales to tell about the promised land, but 10 of those spies said what? There's no way we can do this. Those people are giants in that land. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we could ever take this land. When we listen to people that have that kind of mentality, yeah, we're gonna struggle with assurance. It's a matter of faith. We're gonna struggle with assurance when our outlook on life in general is negative and pessimistic. When you just can't see the bright side of any situation, there's no hope in the way that you think, there's no positive in the things that you say or think, when that's how you choose to live your life and that's how you choose to think, And maybe you've been burned and burned badly in your life. I understand that happens. But when that's the way you think persistently, and there's no joy, and you never smile, those kinds of things, we're going to struggle with assurance when that's the way we think. This is about faith. It's about belief. It's about putting my trust and confidence in Jesus and what he's done for me at the cross. It's assurance. And then number five, As you look at 1 John chapter five, verse 13, the phrase eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life is an interesting expression. It's not just about the quantity of time. The way John uses the term, it's about a quality of life. There's a kind of life that Jesus wants all of us to have. And that life begins when you're baptized. You are a possessor. You are one who comes into possession of eternal life when you obey the gospel. And Jesus says in John chapter 10 verse 10, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. It's a different kind of life. A lot to that, to think about. But we're talking about a quality of life that begins in this, in this world and continues into the next. Eternal life. It's a great life. It's the best possible life because it's the one that only God can give. What are some marks of eternal life? What are some things that as I think about what's so great about serving God and about loving him and about walking with him in this world, what is it about eternal life that's so wonderful? When we have eternal life, brothers and sisters and friends, we know the peace that passes understanding. Philippians 4 verse 7. It can guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You have that kind of peace in your life right now? God wants that for you. Philippians 4 6 and 7 tells you how to have it. Eternal life is about having a spiritual family of believers. When you become a Christian, you are no longer flying solo in life, you are added to a family. You're adopted into God's family. God's family. And we love each other as brothers and sisters ought to. That's God's will for our lives. We have confidence in prayer, 1 John 5, verse 14. We know this, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It's a confidence that we have. Marks of eternal life. When we are in possession of eternal life, the devil will not leave us alone. We're going to have conflict with the world. One of the questions we ought to ask as we think about our assurance of salvation, is there ever any kind of conflict with me in the world? Is there ever any time when it's difficult for me to make Christian choices because I belong to Jesus and I want to obey him and that makes me different and sets me apart from what the world is doing? Does that ever happen in my life? Because if we have eternal life and we're living that way, conflict with the world is going to be a part of that inevitably. It just will. Marks of eternal life, we have blessed assurance in this life and even in death. John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus promises that even when we die, yet shall we live. I think more Christians ought to spend time pondering what Jesus has purchased for us at the cross because. Jesus has made possible an abundant life, a rich life, an eternal life as we walk with God day by day, step by step. And as we walk with Him in the way that's prescribed in His Word, the Bible speaks about us having blessed assurance. If you've not been added to the Lord's body tonight and you'd like to do that, we can help you obey the gospel. Or if you'd like to ask for prayers, whatever your need is, heaven's invitation is yours while together we stand and while we sing.